Before we begin tonight's tale, I want to issue a warning that there may be content that may not be appropriate for all listeners. Please proceed with caution. You have been warned. Ah, Valentine's Day. That special time of year reserved for that special someone in your life. A chance to either find new love or shower your chosen partner with affection and adoration. A wonderful day full of love and candy and gifts and murder. While much more of a commercial enterprise in these modern times, Valentine's Day has a rich history of being much darker. The day began, like many modern holidays, as a Roman feast lasting days. This special feast was formed to honor the god Lupercalia and consisted of violent acts and sacrifice, all in the name of love and fertility. In the 3rd century AD, the holiday took on a new meaning and new life. The Roman Emperor Claudius II executed two men, both named Valentine, on February 14th in different years. This caused the Roman Catholic Church to hold the date as sacred in remembrance of these two men, considering them saints. In the 5th century, the day was altered once more when Pope Galatius combined the St. Valentine's Day with the classic Roman feast. While the intent was to showcase the history of the day, it did result in drunken revelry and chaos, all in the name of love. As the years progressed, the day grew to resemble that modern depiction of love and companionship that we have all grown to know. However, what if the person you love and spend this day with isn't quite the person you thought they were? What if they were hiding a deep, dark secret, one that they asked you to stay away from? And what if in a sign of love and trust, they handed you a set of keys with specific instructions to never, ever open that locked door. Would you listen? Or, like our young, beautiful newlywed, try to find out the horrible secret of Bluebeard. So grab a warm drink for this cool night. Lock the doors, check under the bed and in the closet, settle into your favorite seat, and listen closely. It's time for another fairy tale. Once upon a time, there lived a very rich man in a large castle. While he had most everything he wanted and needed, he was missing the one thing that would have truly brought him happiness, a wife. He had tried, multiple times in fact, but each time had been as unsuccessful as the last. The townspeople talked at length about the strange man in the castle on the hill. His multiple wives, his vast wealth, and most of all, his fearsome appearance. The man would come down into the surrounding villages searching for his next wife and the villagers would point and gossip. 
Look at that strange man with the blue beard, they would say. I've heard his wives run off scared of his violent outbursts after the first night, another would claim. The man would hear these words and retreat to his castle, sad and hopeless. In a nearby village, there lived a poor, beautiful girl in a very small house. She lived there with her father and two sisters, content, but always wondering where in her future held a man who could bring her true happiness, a husband. The girl was heading into town, gathering food and supplies for the week, when she noted a crowd gathering, talking excitedly. A man was here, traveling across the land, looking for a new wife to take home and share his riches with. She listened to the gossip and chatter, brushing off the oddities she was hearing about, such as this talk of blue beards. Finishing her errands, the girl ran the whole way home, excited to share the news with her family. Upon entering the door of her small home, however, she was greeted with the sight of a tall man talking to her father. Her sisters were huddled in the doorway of the far room, peeking around the corner, fear evident on their faces. One look at the man explained why, with his towering stature, his fierce, piercing eyes, and, the most frightening part of all, his big, wild, blue beard. The conversation faded and the attention turned to the girl, her father with a look of concern on his face, the bearded man with a look of hunger on his. Ah, the strange ugly man exclaimed, this must be the last daughter you spoke of, quite the young beauty. His eyes travel up and down her body, as if weighing her. I've decided. I will host a feast for you and you f your family, sir, a feast to honor you and yours, and to show my intentions are good-natured. Then we shall have one of your lovely daughters move in with me and be my wife." The girl tensed. This was the man the villagers had been raving about? Her father began to stammer out a protest, and the blue-bearded man glowered down at him, a fire rising in his eyes. This is not a request. Be at the chateau in three days' time, or else. With that he turned, stormed past the girl with an approving and lingering gaze, and walked out of the small hut. The girl moved to her father and hugged him close. The day of the feast arrived after a very tense three days. The father and his three daughters arrived at the impressive castle of the Bluebeard Man and were greeted by the frightening host himself. The cold hunger he displayed in their home was gone and was replaced by a much warmer and lively demeanor, one that began to put them at ease. He led them through the halls, past large doors and beautiful art, until they came to a grand garden, overlooking the countryside. What seemed to be hundreds of men and women milled about, talking and eating and drinking and laughing. Servants moved with ease through the crowd, refilling drinks and providing food. The girl was shocked and excited, as were her sisters, and they ran in to join the crowd, finding food more delicious than they've ever experienced and enjoying music more beautiful than their ears have ever heard. 
The feast progressed late into the night. The host pulled each sister aside, talking to them over drinks, regaling them with stories from his life, and putting them at ease about living in such a large castle. By the end of the feast, all three sisters were in good spirits and ready for anything when the man stepped up on the stage, quieting the crowd. As you know, I organized this party in order to make my announcement that I have chosen a new wife to share my vast wealth with and to continue on my family name. After some deliberation and much inebriation, I have made my decision. He paused, indicating to the three sisters to join him. They rushed to the stage, giddy and hopeful, and lined up facing the crowd. The blue-bearded man walked to each in turn as if in one final inspection and spun around to the crowd in front of the youngest and most beautiful girl. This girl is my new wife. Applause broke out amongst cheers. The other two sisters, although disappointed, joined in despite the tears in their eyes. The girl, shocked and excited, waved at the crowd and began thinking of her new life with this strange man and hoped that she could learn to love him. Days passed and the two were wed. She had moved in as soon as the vows were shared and the marriage was made official. Apprehensive about being in such a large home with just one other denizen. On the first day she was there, her husband handed her a set of keys. These will open any door and any room in the castle. As my wife, you have full access to any place you want to be and anything you need. However, he paused, pointing to a door at the far end of the hall they were standing in. You must never go in that room. It is dangerous and could cause you great harm. He smiled, touching her cheek, his piercing eyes drilling into hers. She smiled and nodded, sure that she could find enough to do with the rest of the house. The girl was right for the most part. The days melted into each other as she explored the castle and all its many rooms and oddities. Her mind was always drawn to that door, however, the forbidden room. It was drawing her, calling to her, and each time was harder to shake off than the last. Then came the day her blue-bearded husband came to her with sad news. I have been called away on business, dear wife, he told her. There's trouble in one of the baronies I own, and I'll be gone for at least a week, sorting things out. He stepped into the carriage that had been prepared for his trip, giving his new bride a glancing kiss on her cheek. Do remember what I told you, and keep your spirits up. I'll return soon. With that, he was off. The girl watched the carriage move out of the gates and out into the distance. She walked into the house and gazed down the hall to the door, thick and ominous. Her decision was made. Now to just wait until it was safe. The next afternoon, the girl stood in front of the door that had caused her obsession since she obtained the keys. She fingered the key, feeling its ridges and ornate design then inserted it into the keyhole slowly. A turn to the left, the click of the lock, a gentle push, and she could see into the room, dark, the only light coming from the hall pouring into it. The girl walked in, apprehensive, but drawn 
as if by some unseen force. At first she couldn't see anything out of the ordinary. The light from the hall barely provided any clarity to the thick blackness of the dark. Shapes hung from the ceiling, swinging back and forth slowly. She walked, timidly, not knowing what to expect. Ten steps in, her foot connected with something heavy. A metallic thud rang out. Leaning down, she peered into what she could make out to be a bucket, filled with a liquid now rippling from her kick. Her eyes began to adjust to the darkness, and she noticed that directly above the bucket was a swinging shape. The shape becoming something recognizable, with limbs hanging down from gravity, a dress heavy with the same liquid in the bucket. At once, she knew what the liquid was. Nausea rising up from her stomach, she backed away towards the light, towards safety. All around her she could see the body swinging, a bucket of blood under each one, all women. She remembered the rumors the villagers had passed around about his blue beard and violent temper and all the wives that came before her. Closer and closer to the door, the light becoming brighter, each step seeming to weigh her down in panic. Her hand touched the hard, heavy wood, and a shape appeared, blocking the light with its large stature. I told you it wasn't safe for you to go in this room. In the early 17th century, a published volume of folk and fairy tales, curated by the Brothers Grimm, made its rounds across Germany and beyond. While notable for all the fanciful, and for the time, light-hearted stories it held, the tale of Bluebeard certainly stood out as a darker, more frightening tale. Even through modern-day rewrites and adaptations, the story has retained its horror aspects enough that it's been kept out of reprints of the grim fairy tales. What's most frightening of all is how close it comes to real life. Many historians believe that there have been two different inspirations for the character of Bluebeard. In Brittany, in the mid-6th century, lived a man well known for his treatment of those closest to him. Suspected of committing regicide in order to secure the throne and kingdom he ruled, the man known as Conomer the Cursed cemented his legacy for centuries. His violent manner and history of death and treachery even caused his subjects to believe he was a werewolf haunting their lands. But it's the legend of Tréphine and Trémur that rings familiar to us. In the legend, Conomer, like our blue-bearded villain, has a deep history of marrying and losing wives. He meets and desires the daughter of a local count who rebuffs his demands for marriage due to his violent reputation. Upon threat of attack to her father's lands, she agrees. And while Conomer is away on business, Terefine manages to find a secret room in the castle, housing the remains and relics of his previous unfortunate wives. Praying for their souls, the spirits of the wives awaken and inform her that she will be surely be slain if she becomes pregnant with his child, due to a long-standing prophecy. Unfortunately, this has already happened as Conomer and Trephine discover when he returns. She escapes, with the aid of the dead wives, 
gives birth to her son Tremere and hides him away before Connemer managed to catch and behead her. Unlike our poor beautiful girl and the real life Trephine, this wife catches a lucky break and is restored to life by St. Gildas and goes into hiding with her son to live a long life after they bring down the castle walls, killing Connemer the Cursed. As terrifying as legends and stories can be, the very real Gilles de Reyes may have been an even bigger inspiration for Bluebeard. A celebrated military commander, de Reyes served alongside Joan of Arc during the Hundred Years' War in the mid-15th century, became commander of the Royal Army, and was even appointed the Marshal of France. However, even heroes of the country have their dark sides. In 1440, de Reyes was tried and convicted for his involvement in the disappearance of many local children after a dispute with a clergyman brought to light his horrible crimes. After a lengthy trial, pointing to the commander's use of the occult and testimonies from the parents of the missing children, Gilles de Reyes was hanged on October 26, 1440. Two hundred years later, Charles Perrault penned the first official tear of Barbleu in Histoire au Comte de Temps Passé in 1697, forever capturing this monster in reality. The Bluebeard story has, like many folktales, been adapted, reshaped, and retold many times since its creation. Many artists retain the original plot and moral, the picture of the curious wife stumbling upon the remains of the many who came before her and also failed. The endings change as well to fit the emotion of the, to, of the crowd and to provide a happier ending to such a dark and tense tale. In Joyce Carol Oates' story, Bluebearded Lover, we find a wife who knows of her husband's dark history and chooses to never look behind the locked door, leading to a happy life despite the literal skeletons in their closet. Many plays and films provide a new take on the character, some even going as far as to swap the genders around, such as the 1993 Ukraine-France film La Dernière Femme de Bableu. His legacy extends far beyond the stage and silver screen, with many modernizing the character while keeping his roots intact. DC Comics series Fables shows the character as a politician, willing to do whatever it takes to attain power, even murder. The song Go Long by Joanna Newsom was inspired by the tale of Bluebeard. Stephen King uses the story of Bluebeard to scare his child protagonist Danny Torrance in The Shining. A 2013 fantasy horror comic, Porcelain, a gothic fairy tale, uses the bloody key and locked door to move the plot forward. And, most recently, the 2015 horror film Crimson Peak mirrors the plot of Bluebeard quite beautifully. The most interesting part of this tale isn't just the villain or his bloody history or future adaptations. Readers of this folktale will find the theme to speak volumes of how historians and storytellers have taken opportunities to portray women as curious, naive, and even the bringers of their own misfortunes. This theme has existed in many forms and been portrayed multiple times, with even real historical events allegedly being rewritten to lay the blame on a woman's shoulders. Greek and Roman mythology is a long-standing example of how a curious woman brought doom upon the world in the form of a box. 
Crafted from the earth to be the first mortal woman of the world, Zeus had all the gods provide her with gifts of the world. Among these gifts was a jar that held many evils and diseases, a jar that was opened up, resealing everything in the world, and only trapping hope when it was resealed. Now the actual perpetrator of this act is lost in history, however. While many of the ancient texts and stories explain it was actually a curious male that took the jar from Pandora and opened it to see inside, the author Hesiod took the opportunity to rewrite the story, making Pandora the sole transgressor. His anti-feminist interpretation was the version that survived into the Renaissance, allowing poets and artists to further cement her legacy for over five centuries. In a similar vein, other theological myths and stories provide new freedoms in portraying women as bringers of pain and suffering, either on themselves or others. The wife of Lot, nameless, only existing in a few fleeting moments, allows her curiosity at the destruction of her home to break the rules explained to her. As she flees, she looks back at the pillar of fire, destroying everything she knew and loved, turning her and Christian theology has crafted their own Pandora, giving her equal responsibility for original sin. Eve, made from dust and a piece of her human husband, looked upon a tree in a garden that made up her home. Curious and easily persuaded, both common tropes given to women in stories, the first woman ate from the tree, angering God and causing him to curse humans with a mortal lifespan, pain from work and childbirth, and unleash the knowledge of sin and evil upon the world. Eve's legacy is probably the most well-known example of this story's anti-feminist theme and has lasted the longest, being the subject of many creation stories. The horror show, Supernatural, even had their own version of Eve, as a woman designed before even the angels and being the mother of all monsters and sin, despite originally meaning to live bears a striking resemblance to the more modern word for sin, evil. Finally, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, we cannot discuss mythology and women's curiosity without discussing a beautiful young woman by the name of Psyche. Similar to our own ill-fated wife of Bluebeard, Psyche was a beautiful girl with two older jealous sisters. Praised and regarded as more beautiful than even a god, Psyche brought the, about the wrath of Venus, the goddess of love and beauty, prompting the goddess to send her son Cupid to enact revenge on the poor girl. The plan backfired as Cupid scratches himself with his own arrow upon seeing the beautiful young girl falling madly in love with her. Psyche's family, not knowing about Cupid, begins to believe that they have been cursed by the gods, and consult the Oracle of Apollo, who shares that Psyche will wed a dragon-like creature and is feared by even Jupiter. Distraught and afraid, Psyche dresses in funeral attire, steps off a rocky crag, and is swept away by the west wind to fall asleep in a beautiful meadow. She awakens in a large house adorned with jewels and gold and ivory, with a disembodied voice inviting her to get comfortable and enjoy a feast set out for her. His only instruction is to never ask to see his face, or it will mean doom for her. After some time, Cupid, the strange shadowy voice, allows Psyche to invite her sisters to stay with her, where they grow envious over the life she lives while they're stuck with mortal husbands. In their jealousy, they convince her younger sister that she is married to a horrible beast, one that she needs to kill in order to be free. They form a plan. 
The beautiful young wife creeps into the dark room, armed with a dagger and lamp, pulls back the sheet, and discovers she is married to the equally beautiful Cupid. Stumbling back, she pierces herself with one of his magic arrows and falls into a crazed love for the angry god in front of her, who flees. The legend of Cupid and Psyche sets its own legacy, inspiring another well-known French tale, and continues on to allow Psyche to fight and become a feminist figure for years to come. And fortunately, unlike the other women we've discussed, and the beautiful maiden in our tale, Psyche and Cupid do get their happily ever after, providing another symbol of love and affection for this Valentine's holiday. Fury Tales is written and produced by me. Music is provided by Nicholas Gasparini. New episodes will be released every Wednesday. If you enjoy the show, please share with your family and friends who may be interested, and subscribe yourself on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher, as well as rate and review. Every bit of feedback is valuable to me, and I will be sure to give you a shout-out on a future show. I've also started a Patreon to help with some of the costs of hosting this podcast. While I do enjoy what I do and look forward to continuing to provide you with chilling tales and histories, I do want to make sure I can deliver the best possible quality to you as well as provide extra content and episodes to those who are interested in seeing more of what goes into this. The link is in the show notes below, and be sure to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at FuryTales13. And remember, the oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear, and the oldest and strongest kind of fear is fear of the unknown. H.P. Lovecraft.